Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Monday, November 4, 1985. Winter was coming to Northeast Ohio. The days were growing cool. The clocks had been adjusted and night was descending faster every day. Mary Yacono had seen 79 winters. She was looking forward to spending this one in warm and sunny California with one of her sons. But first, she had a few loose ends to tie up. Since she wasn't going to be around for the holidays, she wanted to take a bottle of scotch to her good friends, the Marchettas. They lived on West Exchange Street, across the road from where Mary's family operated a very successful Italian restaurant. So she set off on foot. When the visit between old friends was done, the twilight that had lit Mary's way was gone. A light rain made the return trip even gloomier in a neighborhood that had no streetlights. But Mary was fiercely independent. She'd crossed the street many times before, and she stepped outside in her raincoat, carrying a black umbrella. The Marchettas watched her leave the curb, but lost sight of her in the low visibility. Then they heard a noise and a dark-colored car sped by. They called out to Mary. Someone in the dark shouted back, a pedestrian on the opposite side of West Exchange. She's been hit. Mary Yocono died on the cold and wet asphalt that dreary night, the victim of a hit and run. Her killer never looked back. From Ohio Mysteries, the Akron Beacon Journal, and BeaconJournal.com, this is Unresolved, a look at the unsolved homicides and disappearances from the greater Akron area. I'm Paula Schleiss, co-host of Ohio Mysteries, and helping with this ongoing series, which is covered in this podcast as well as stories in print and online, are Beacon Journal reporter Stephanie Warsmith and my podcast co-host, Steve Yoder. Now, Unresolved, Episode 15, Mary Yocono. Yocono's was an Italian restaurant on West Exchange in Akron's Wallhaven neighborhood. It was the kind of place that had both regulars and those who thought of it as a special destination for celebrating annual milestones. The matriarch of the Yocono clan was Mary Vita Yocono. She was both a woman ahead of her time 
and a living stereotype of an old Italian grandmother. My grandmother was an amazing cook. I, I mean, just amazing. If you know, you hear about the old Italian grandmothers. That's what she was. Um, but but her her food was just incredible. That's Jamie Yocono, one of Mary's granddaughters. Jamie grew up in California, but spent her childhood summers in Akron. Then, when she was a teenager, Jamie's family moved to Akron, and she got to spend more time appreciating her grandma's culinary talents. I remember as a child having parties in her backyard where we had, you know, eight-foot tables running, you know, three long, so 24 feet of tables with relatives on both sides of the table, and um, we'd have grills out there, and we'd just be eating pasta and grilled meats. And uh, it, was a, it was a big party time when my grandma cooked. Um, so the restaurant business was just a natural for us. Wow. And did, they, yeah. did you guys call on a lot of your grandma's recipes for the menu? Yeah, yeah we did. Um, oh. she, she really, I mean, it's, it, you know, when I say, well, she sat down with us and we helped develop the recipes, it, it's kind of a joke because the recipes were like throwing a handful of this and a, and a, you know, a spritz of this and a whatever. And nothing was completely measured um, because that's how she cooked was this a handful and a pinch and a whatever, a shake of something. Um, and, it, you know, if you pick tomatoes from the garden, um, you threw in a bunch of ripe tomatoes. If there weren't that many ripe tomatoes, then you didn't make as big of a batch. Uh, but so w- when we went into the, the business, um, it, was, it was really like a seat of the pants kind of business. It wasn't the technical stuff that happens in restaurants today. It's really different. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. The restaurant business was just one chapter in Mary's well-lived life. We need to start this story about six decades earlier and 4,500 miles away. Mary, who was born in Italy in 1906, came to the United States with her parents and siblings when she was still a teenager. The family settled in Akron, a community that had its own little Italy, the colorful neighborhood known as North Hill. It was there, just a couple of years after landing at Ellis Island, that Mary met Dominic Yocono, an ambitious young man and a building contractor who would leave his imprint on dozens of commercial structures and homes throughout the north of Akron. The couple married in 1924 at St. Vincent's Church and went on to have three children, sons Nunzi and Jimmy, and a daughter, Sally. Mary was a dedicated wife and mother, and once her children were grown, she started the next phase of her life as a businesswoman. In the late 1950s, she opened Playland Nursery School. It featured a huge playground on the corner of West Exchange and Sheldon Avenue with a clown figure that became a sort of local landmark for many years. She was quite the Renaissance woman, wearing pants when few women did, driving her own car, managing her own interests. She ran the nursery for 15 years, with hundreds of children coming to know her as Miss Mary. The one thing that I remember is at the end of the day when people would be picking up their kids, 
Um, and it was really funny because my grandmother was really picky and she never referred to the kids as kids. She always called them children because she said kids are goats. And I don't know if that was from the old country or what, but um, she always referred to them as the children. And I remember being there and the parents would come and walk in the door and, and then they're obviously their child would run up to them and, you know, show them what they made that day and or colored or whatever. Um, and we would just wait until the last child was picked up. And then we'd lock the doors and we'd walk behind um, the Playland Nursery, which is where my grandma lived on the street behind there. But family always came first. And when Mary's husband, Dominic, developed Alzheimer's in the early 1970s, she closed the nursery to care for him full time. The police would sometimes find him walking in North Hill in his boxer shorts. Uh, and he'd be pointing to a building and they'd say, I built that building. And they thought he was just a crazy old man, but he was speaking the truth. And, uh, and so she just realized that she had to close the nursery and to take care of him. Dominic's illness pulled the family together. Mary's boys, Jimmy and Nunzi, had moved their families to California years earlier and were operating a restaurant in the city of Inglewood. With their father entering his final days, they both moved back to Akron to help look after him. After Dominic died, Mary gave her sons the daycare property so they could build a new restaurant. Yokono's Italian Eatery opened in 1974, featuring a beautiful brick building that honored Dominic's skills as a mason. Mary was a big part of the business. She supervised the cooks, worked to incorporate cherished family recipes into some of the restaurant's most popular dishes, and oversaw staff as they made the all-important soups and sauces. In time, her son Nunzio sold his stake in the restaurant to his brother James and returned to California. So Mary stepped up even more to fill the void. Since she lived just behind the restaurant on Woodbine, she walked to work every morning to unlock the doors and greet the employees as they arrived to prepare for the day. On November 4, 1985, Mary had one other thing on her mind. The 79-year-old grandma was looking forward to spending the upcoming holidays and winter months with a part of her family that was out west. The day started like any other day. She came to the restaurant. She opened up. Um, but she was getting ready to go visit my other uncle, my dad's brother, and who lived in California by that time. And uh, she said, you know, I want to take my friends that live across the street. I want to take them a bottle of booze um, for the holidays because I'm going to be gone for the whole holiday. Um, and, you know, it was no big deal. She would cross the street. There used to be an Acme across the street from our restaurant. And so it was no big deal for her to cross the street and go to the Acme or go to her friend's house. So, um, you know, she was kind of, we knew she was planning that that day. Mary selected a nice scotch for her friends, the Marchettas, and set out across West Exchange. In hindsight, some wonder if Mary had forgotten that the clocks had changed and that dark was coming faster. When she walked to the Marchettas, it was still light out. But when she bid farewell to them, it was black as pitch beneath dripping rain clouds. The Marchettas watched as she crossed the road to return home. They saw a black car headed west on exchange in her direction, 
then lost sight of her. There was a noise. They called out to her. Someone else shouted back. Mary never made it to the other side of the road. The car that struck her drove on, leaving her crumpled in the street. A short time later, just after 7 p.m., Mary's son Jimmy and his wife Virginia drove by the scene on their way to the restaurant. Orange cones blocked the road. Blue emergency lights cut through the gloom. I was at the restaurant. My parents were at a doctor's appointment for my dad. And um, it was getting kind of late in the day that it was starting. It was dinner time now, maybe five o'clock-ish, 5.30, I don't know. Starting to get dark because the time change was coming into effect, I think. Um, and um, my parents um, came to the restaurant after their doctor's appointment. And my mom just had a funny look on her face. And, and she walked into the office and I said, what's the matter? And I actually thought it was something with my dad's health. You know, maybe they found something out. Or, and she goes, oh, my God. She said, there's an accident a couple doors up the street. And there's a, there's a poor soul laying in the street covered with a sheet. I just got the chills saying that. Um, and I go, oh, that's terrible. And I kind of poked my head out the office door, and I could see an ambulance kind of f- further up the street, but you could just barely see it. And, and you know, we didn't really think anything of it, but we knew that there was an accident there. And then the phone rang, and, my, and the, you know, one of the hostesses answered it and said to my mom, Virginia, hey, you have a phone call. And my mom took the call. And she dropped the phone and she said, oh, my God, Jimmy, that's my dad. She said, Jimmy, that was your mom. And it was just heartbreaking. It was it was just awful. It was heartbreaking. Um, We all took off running. Um, We flew out out of the front door of the restaurant and we we were running up Exchange Street. I remember running and I, I mean, I was youngest, so I was in the lead and I turned around and I looked at my dad and he was holding his side because he had had surgery and he was holding his side where he was, where his incision was. And he was just running. I'm going to start to cry. Um, Take your time. And he, uh, I just remember turning around and looking at him and seeing him running and holding his, his body. And I got up to my grandma first and they stopped my dad for some reason. I, I don't know. Maybe he was yelling or, or crying or something. And um, I identified her. You know, they said, I said, I think that's my grandma. And they pulled the sheet over, or over her face. And, and I said, yeah, that's her. And they actually took my dad, I think, into the ambulance that was there. Um, and it was just the, the, it was so surreal. I can't even tell you. Um, we stayed there for a while um, till they loaded her up and, and took her away. And then we went back to the restaurant. And and as the news was sort of circulating around, and I don't even know how it circulated, um, but we were all in the back in the restaurant and the phone was ringing and people were saying, did that really happen? And is this true? And then family members and friends were coming in and talking to us. And I just remember almost just being in shock that, that that had just happened. It was really, 
you know, it's something you see in a movie or, or whatever, but when it happens to you in real life, it feels like it's fake. It, it just, it's so surreal. Nobody expects it. Mary Yacono's funeral was a testament to how well she was loved and respected, attended by her family, friends, and employees, but also by restaurant patrons and the many Akronites who knew her as Miss Mary from their preschool years. Comfort from the community continued for weeks. I was driving home from work one day, and I was in front of Fairlawn Plaza, and it was a rainy night, and, you know, like, I don't know, dinner time, I'd probably just gotten off of work, and um, and I was driving there, and it was drizzling, and I bumped the fender of the people in front of me. And they stopped their car, and they got out, and this, this old fella was like, you know, what the hell are you doing? And he was starting to yell at me. And I just sat down on my bumper, and I started crying. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, I know who you are. And he put his shoulder, he put his arm around my shoulder, and he started hugging me, and he said, I know your grandma. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's just, I mean, so many people in Akron knew her. Um, and we moved our cars into the Fairlawn Plaza and we sat there for like a half an hour and he said, my car's fine. Just, you know, go on your way and drive carefully. And do you want us to drive you home? And, and that's like, we really did feel the love of people in Akron about that. Um, but my family, we were never the same. I, I will be honest. My parents, um, just fell apart. I mean, my, my parents could barely do anything. They couldn't really run the restaurant. They couldn't do anything. And I kind of jumped into that role. The then 26-year-old Jamie also took the lead in communicating with police. And for a few days, she was hopeful that they would learn who hit her grandmother. More importantly, who had callously sped away and left her for dead. And the one thing that, that I remember is that they told me, um, that they had a pretty nice sized chip of paint on her jacket, on her uh, raincoat. And um, they said, you know, with our technology today, and, you know, that's been 37 years, almost 38 years, but they said we will be able to track down the make and the model of that car, and we should have a lot of information about maybe we can find who did this. Um, so I was really, really hopeful about f finding that out. Um, I was given the name of somebody to contact at, at the police station, and I was kind of waiting for a call from them. And then finally, maybe a couple weeks later, they called and they said, we don't have anything. And it just didn't make sense to me. Um, I, I said, you, you know, you have this, um, you know, you said you had the paint chip, you said you had all this information, and now you've got nothing. You know, I said, you found out something, and now you're just trying to keep it a secret. And they just brushed it off. They said, no, no, that's not true. Um, you know, we just, we don't have anything to go on, but, you know, we'll keep you posted. And, you know, basically we never heard from them again. Jamie has never been able to shake the belief that the investigation had been dropped. She said they tried to tell her that maybe whoever hit Mary didn't even know they'd done it. In that low visibility, maybe they drove on not realizing they'd hit anything. Jamie doesn't believe that for one minute. If I hit a bird on the road, I know. Um, I, I just think that they knew. 
And I think that they just kept driving um, and got as far away that they could and, and got away with it. And, you know, I don't know how they could live with themselves because, you know, I mean, if I had something like that on my conscience, I couldn't live with that. I, I just it would eat at me every single day. Um, I would like to think that maybe by now, maybe that person has passed away and that maybe somebody that they spoke to would come forward because they wouldn't get in trouble anymore and there would be no ramification of it, but it would sure be nice to know. Jamie was also disappointed to learn that the Akron police no longer have any record of Mary's hit and run. The homicide and traffic divisions both searched for one, but found no file of the nearly 40-year-old crime. I felt like they were so hopeful at the beginning um, with with finding out who did it, and then they came back later and they're like, oh, you know, it was drizzly, you know, it was dark, and, you know, we're probably not going to find it. But honestly, the way that they portrayed it in the beginning, I felt like they were so hopeful, and then they just squashed all those ideas. Jamie's family continued to operate Yokono's Italian eatery for another 20 years. But the joy of running a family business never quite came back. In 2003, they sold it, left Akron, and went back west. By then, Jamie had started a career in woodworking. She taught at the University of Akron for a decade, then went to Las Vegas, where she opened a woodworking school. She still builds custom furniture through her website, wooditis.com. Neither years nor distance have faded the memories of that heartbreaking race down Exchange Street to the figure that lay prone beneath the sheet. But the good memories also remain. My grandma loved to party. Um, You know, her happiest memories were having the family around and cooking for everybody. And then, you know, she would, and especially when she got older and maybe wasn't doing as much of the cooking, um, so the other people had picked up that torch. But she would look at me like on a Thanksgiving dinner and she'd say, let's have a martini. And, you know, I'd make us martinis or, or something. And we just, uh, you know, we just had the best of times. She she had a wonderful sense of humor. And, and she was also kind of emotional so that, I mean, I think that, People, when they get older and they see their families gathering, they do get really, you know, they feel it in their heart. But she um, she loved that song, Those Were the Days, My Friend. And she would put it on a record player and she'd play it over and over and she'd sing and she might have a little tip of wine or a martini. And she just really enjoyed life. She was a She was a really fun human being. If you have any information that could help solve this case, please call Lieutenant Dave Whitten of the Akron Police Department at 330-375-2490. That's it for this month's edition of Unresolved, a collaborative podcast between Ohio Mysteries and the Akron Beacon Journal. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.